does it get any better than this? I mean, the PGA Championship on TV all day long. And, of course, I had Cameron Tringale to win the tournament, as everybody did. Well, <laughs> there's a long way to go. You're right, 20 Fingers. I did not have Cameron Tringale. And I think probably 0% of people who bet on the PGA Championship had Cameron Tringale. But he and Eric Van Royen, three under, leading the tournament at this point. And, of course, tonight, the main event, the Maple Leafs and the Montreal Canadiens, right here on TSN 1050, the pregame starting at 7 o'clock. And there is much money to be made. We just made our predictions for the series on first up. Of course, 20 Fingers, the technical producer, wizard behind the edge, has the Habs in seven. Carlo, you have the Leafs in six. And I have the Toronto Maple Leafs in four games. Welcome into the edge. I'm Aaron Korolnik. And our man Carlo Koliakovo sticking around after first up, a veteran of 20 Stanley Cup playoff games. Carlo, your first memory, before we get to the bets, of your, let's just say, let's go back to maybe 2011 with the Blues. That was probably your longest playoff run. Game one, what are the emotions like? How are you feeling on a morning like today? Well, game one, I was actually uh, a healthy scratch in that game. Brutal coaching. Um, Brutal yeah, coaching. I never understood the decision. I remember being up in the suite and listening to the crowd chant, let's go Blues, and waving the white towels with the fans, uh, standing on their feet waiting for the players to come out on the ice. And I, I, I can remember the feeling of just being gut-punched because that's what I wanted to play for, right? It was... You, know, you you play all year for that moment, and because we were playing San Jose, uh, we had Kent Huskins on our team, and our coach believed that because putting oh. Kent Huskins in the lineup, he'd have the advantage of playing against the other players. Well, we ended up <laughs> losing that game in overtime, and I get the call to go in in game two, and we win four straight games. So clearly, Ken Hitchcock nope. had no idea what he was doing, because <laughs> no I was I was an inspirational addition. I mean, I came in, I played alongside Alex Petrangelo. I was responsible for shutting down the Marlow, um, Thornton, and Pavelski line, and uh, I had five points in the in those four games that I played. So um, the, the the crowd, the atmosphere, the electricity. Everything about playoffs is is a feeling that that can't really be described because every player feels it differently. And for me, that's that's the hype. You know, walking onto the ice. I remember the second game in, in game two when it was coming onto the ice. I was running onto the ice and I could barely breathe because I was so excited to be in ty- in, in that type of environment. But my first ever playoff experience was in Vancouver. Because my first year making the playoffs, uh, you know, with the St. Louis Blues, we started in Vancouver, and I'll never forget playing the U2 song or the streets have no name. The 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 sound the song of is just blazing in that building, and you've got, yeah. you know, you've seen the Vancouver crowds in playoffs with the white towels and stuff. And I, I'm a huge U2 fan, you know, like I I love that music. So coming out to that was an incredible feeling and being in Canada being on hockey night in Canada unfortunately we lost that game uh, this oh Chrissy oh man <laughs> it's, it, it chills right now um, you just imagine 20,000 fans just going nuts to the song you get the siren going they're cheering for the other team they're not cheering for you but you're you're you're, you're trying to 
you're living you're living in the moment and to me that was living in the moment and that's what playoffs is all about man oh man well i'm pumped up now you got that whole little spiel you just had has me jacked up for tonight's game and i think it's safe to say that the montreal canadians are going to need a little bit more than motivation to be the toronto maple Leafs. i mean they are huge underdogs the leafs are minus 360 to beat the canadians in this series that is an implied probability of 78 percent of that happening Mm-hmm. Do you believe, Carlo, that those odds are reflective of reality? Is it really a 78-22 proposition when it comes to this series? Or are the odds makers not giving the Canadians enough credit? Yeah, I think it's a... It's a I would say the odds are fairly... Uh, adjusted in the right favor because, you know, who's kidding who? The Maple Leafs are a top-five team in the league, and they proved that throughout the season. Um you know they're probably the most balanced team in this division. Uh, they they had a seven two and one record against the Montreal Canadiens throughout the regular season. They just played them three times two weeks ago in a row, right? And so you you, you had that to basically assess and identify you know what type of series you can expect. Now Montreal is going to be a different team. They're probably going to, they are going to have a different goalie in that. They're going to get some bodies back that we're missing in that series to make them more competitive. I think it the line is a little high because yeah. I don't think I don't don't think the experts or at least the people analyzing this series are giving the Montreal Canadiens enough credit cuz let's let's be honest when the when the Montreal Canadiens were fully healthy at the beginning of the year, they were the best team in hockey. Now, can they get to that? That remains to be seen. I think the week off that they've been able to have between the end of the season until now will definitely play a factor because, you know, as I've stated many times on our show, they were the they the Montreal Canadiens played one of the toughest schedules in the last 2 months of the season. 25 games in 43 days. And so they got through that, they got through that guy, and this is a team that's going to be refreshed and let's be honest, when the playoffs starts, Everybody starts at zero. There is no favorite. There is no underdog. It's about competing, and I think the I think the Montreal Canadiens will find a way to compete in this series. But ultimately, I think the Maple Leafs do end up winning this series. You won't be surprised to hear that there are just a multitude of ways that you can bet on this series. The correct score of the series. So I personally believe the Maple Leafs will sweep the Montreal Canadiens. If you bet that, you can get it at plus. 565. Mm-hmm. The most likely outcome per Vegas is the Leafs winning in five games. That's a plus 314. Then in six is plus 339. And in seven, it is plus 422. And if you're like our man, 20 fingers behind the glass and believe the Montreal Canadiens will win in seven, that is at plus 606. Carlo wow. Koliakovo from First Up is our guest here on The Edge. I'm Aaron Korolnik. And Coco, let's focus a little bit in on some player props for this series. And it will surprise no one that Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner have high player prop totals as far as points go. Uh, 7.5 points for both of these players uh, when it comes to the totality of the series. And let's go back to, let's say, when you were with St. Louis, you matched up against the Chicago Blackhawks, and Kane and Taves were the focal point of your defensive game plan, much like we saw last night with the Winnipeg Jets shutting down Dreisaitl and McDavid. The regular season and the playoffs are a completely different animal, and the focus of the Montreal Canadiens tonight will be on slowing Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews down. What do you make of the 7.5 total as far as points go for those two? 
Um, I like the Mitch Marner over seven and a half because he's a guy that can impact the game in so many different situations. He plays penalty kill. He plays, uh, you know, power play five on five, six on five, five on six. Uh, so there could be, you know, the, the impact on a couple of empty netters there if, if he gets his points. Austin Matthews, listen, as great as he is, there's going to be a lot of attention spent on him by not just the matchup of the forward lines, but the matchup of the D pairings too. Um, you know, as we've seen so far in these playoffs, um, other than unless your name is Nathan McKinnon, who has just torched the NHL playoffs in two games with seven points and five goals, uh, time and space and point production is going to be hard to come by in the first couple of games at least. And it's sort of the trend we see in almost every playoff round where the first game you see a lot of, um, you know, open plays. You see a lot of back and forth. You see a lot of chances, maybe even a lot of goals. But with each game, the time and space starts to get limited more and more and more and more, and the games start to get tighter, the scores start to get lower. Uh, and I think you'll see the same thing happen here in this series with the Montreal Canadiens because as much as they struggle to score goals, this team it does a really good job at keeping games close. And they do that because they spend a lot of time to, uh, focusing on their defense. And I think Montreal defensively, has a great top four when you talk about the guys they can put out there, Chariot, Weber, Petrie, and Edmondson. Um, and, you know, could make life difficult for the Maple Leafs' top guys. But I think where the Maple Leafs will prevail here is that I believe the depth on their third and fourth lines will will have to find a way to score a big goal or contribute in a big play offensively for them to win this series. Well, Carlo, and we talk about, we've talked about the power play or lack thereof for the Maple Leafs for months now. It was going like like 11% in the last six to eight weeks of the season after being the best power play in the NHL early on. So I'm not really sure what to expect of the production, but what I can expect from at least tonight is a split power play. You're not going to see it fully loaded up with Matthews, Marner, Tavares, Nylander, and Riley. Right now, it's the lineup, uh, the first unit, if you want to call it, is Hyman, Thornton, Matthews, Marner, and Sandine. And the second unit is Simmons, Tavares, Spezza, Nylander, and Riley. So if you're talking about points total over unders, I don't know if that necessarily bodes well for any of the Leafs. And, I mean, they haven't been scoring on the power play regardless, so mm-hmm. perhaps it doesn't matter at all. But for guys like Tavares and Nylander, whose points total for the series is at 4.5, that makes me a little skeptical because you would imagine that the least power plays to start out would be Matthews and Marner, right? You would imagine, but I mean, it, it, it all depends on who's on the ice when the penalty is called. Um, a yeah. lot of it, you know, as, as a coach and as the home team, you have the decision for your matchups. If you see their first line penalty killers out there, well, maybe you want to throw your second line penalty kill or your power play out there. Um, a lot of it is going to be touch and feel and, you know, they'll be able to determine that with, the way guys are practicing with it. But, you know, as bad as the power play has been for the Maple Leafs, which has been troublesome throughout the year, because with that type of talent, you expect them to be better at it. The Maple Leafs aren't a good team at drawing penalties to begin with. This team has excelled. Yeah, the worst. They've ex- they have excelled down the stretch here in particular, playing five on five. And you got to think that the Tavares, Nylander, Felina line will get the better matchups in this uh, in this series, so I actually like those goal totals to to go over because if the like as good as the Maple Leafs are with Marner and Matthews, who have solidified themselves as one of the best duos in the league, I think the key to this series is going to be 
the contributions and the production that they get from the Tavares line and Nylander, who have been, you know, part of the reason why they've had so much success lately, because they've been on fire as well, too. So Wayne Simmons is an interesting one. His goal prop is 0.5 for the series. And I mentioned mm. he's on one of the two power play units. Wayne Simmons is going to pot one, right? I'd have to imagine he's going to pop one. You know, yeah. I think people in Toronto are really going to understand and appreciate the value of what a Wayne Simmons type player brings to this group at this time of the year. Because this is the time of the year when guys like him and Joe Thornton and, you know, Nick Felino, Zach Bogosian, all these guys that they brought in, you're going to see the impact that they make because this is why they were brought in. Zach Hyman's coming back into the lineup. He's a guy who's raring to go, has missed some time, and he brings that element that this Maple Leafs team is. I mean, look look at what we've seen in the playoffs so far right now with the other teams that are playing. And I don't know if it's because we've been so stuck on watching Canadian teams play this year, but the physicality in some of these series has been off the charts. And I think the Maple Leafs should be embracing that because it's a game that they have allowed themselves to feel comfortable in playing. And, you know, especially when it's starting from guys like Matthews and Martyr, if you have those guys leading the way when it comes to the compete and physicality of the games and of the series, man, does that sort of rev up the engine for the other guys on the bench because they just want to go out and follow that up. We've talked about the top players on the Maple Leafs, namely Matthews, Marner, Nylander, and Tavares. Montreal has some guys who can put up points in the right circumstance, definitely not to the level of the Toronto Maple Leafs top players, but when you look at the over-unders for guys like Nick Suzuki, three and a half points. Tyler Toffoli, who had an exceptional season in his debut year with Montreal, is at four points, and my focus is on Thomas Tatar, three points he's been banged up at the end of the season hasn't played in a long time but this is a guy who's on the first power play for montreal he's playing on the top line with philip Deneau and brendan gallagher and when you look at it three points for tatar who's going to get a ton of ice there could be some value there that's definite value i mean just the way you laid it out but if you're predicting that the maple leafs are going to win in four yeah. How many games do you expect <laughs> him to really have the chance fair. to That's to, fair. To and these are all intertwined, points, right? right? It's all yeah, intertwined. Absolutely. You basically and need to, if you take all the unders, you, and you think it's going to be a short series like I do, then it makes a lot of sense. Yes. And listen, I think hockey's the greatest example of anything can happen because as we saw three years ago when the Columbus Blue Jackets were heavily out favored and outmatched in their season, in their, in their series against the Tampa Bay Lightning, I think, I think we were seeing Stats and odds greater than this than we're evaluating for the Montreal Canadiens and the and the Toronto Maple Leafs that you know went haywire and and the you know the the the, the totals just were were completely um, you know I wouldn't say irrelevant but unachievable because it went four games right and so again if you're looking at this series right now yes you're going to favor everything on the Maple Leaf side but I think the big X factor here is. You know, what type of goalie are we going to see in Carey Price? Are we going to see the For guy sure. that has struggled all year? Or are we going to be, are we going to see the guy that everybody raves about being the best Canadian goaltender, um, in, in our generation, right? The guy that has led Canada to two Olympic gold medals, a guy that has led the Montreal Canadiens to playoff series, a guy that stole a playoff series in last year's bubble with, against the, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now, there's not a lot 
out there for, for to allow us to believe he can be that guy because he's struggled this year. He has struggled and he hasn't played a lot of hockey down the stretch here. So that's going to be a big X factor as to you know what type of totals we see here. Let's just hope that Carey Price, uh, the Montreal Canadiens equipment staff, have a bunch, bunch of extra sticks for him when he starts smashing them <laughs> after the Leafs uh, put up some goals. Light them up. Carlo, let's get a uh, score prediction from you tonight. Uh, it's the Leafs and the Habs at 7.30 here on TSN 1050. And I will tell you the payout for the correct score if you nail it. And depending on who you have, it could be a very, very lucrative one. I'm going to go 3-2 Maple Leafs. That is the most likely outcome as per Vegas. That is plus 700. So if you like the Leafs, 3-2 uh, winners tonight, that would make uh, a lot of sense because that's plus the most 700. Wow. Throw me a brownie you on that taste? Want to taste? By the way, I actually want to bring up Caulfield because that's the big story from the Montreal angle. His yep. goals total for the series, two. How many games do you think we see from Caulfield, and would you take the over-under of two goals? I like the under there. I mean, he's not going to score yeah. three goals, is he? No. I mean, that's that's. I mean, especially if you don't know if he's going to play, right? If Montreal wins game one, he's not coming yeah, in exactly. game two. No way. Right? No way. So, and even if he comes in, I just I don't see him playing at the top of the lineup with – the guys that are, you know, scheduled to play in their top two lines. So, if do you see him scoring goals as a third or fourth line player? He's going to be on I the mean, power play though. If if they bring him in, Caulfield will get power play time, and that's where he, he could has do his to. damage. He yeah. has to. Like, I mean, I mean, all the criticism is that you know, in Montreal's favor is the fact that you know they're worried that this is a different time of the year and you know playoffs are different. It's like, dude, you're still playing hockey. It doesn't matter what time of the year it is. If this guy is proven he can score goals at all levels, put him in the right positions where he can score goals because he's clearly shown he can do it in the NHL level. Well, Carlo, I, no, I, I think I think I speak on behalf of a lot of people. They yeah. don't understand that decision. No, and uh, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if it's a quick switch for Game Two for Caulfield. But I think a lot will will hinge on tonight. We haven't seen the Montreal Canadiens at quote unquote full health in quite some time. So you know, I don't know how healthy Shea Weber really is. He's had one practice under his belt in a long time. He's been banged up. So I can't wait for tonight, buddy. Can't wait to break it all down tomorrow morning on First Up and. We look forward to seeing you then. Of course, buddy. Always enjoy uh, coming on and chatting sports with you. It'll be a fun night tonight. Let's hope we're celebrating a Leafs win tomorrow. Bang! Right. There we go. That's nice. Carlo Koliakovo. And we'll be Out talking with about a the, bang. Uh, the PGA Championship tomorrow morning as well. And there is an unlikely man at the top of the leaderboard. Adam Scully from Golf Talk Canada will tell us who it is and if he has a chance of holding on. That's next on The Edge. And that's when I thought you read it, what you've been hiding for me. The Loud Luxury played by our technical producer, Christy Amaro. Loud Luxury. They are playing some serious shows down in Vegas. Probably 100% capacity. While we here in Ontario, just hoping for a return to outdoor recreation. That's all we want. Very, very small ask. And it sounds like news on that is coming at 3 o'clock when our beloved premiere, and I say that with severe sarcasm, speaks to the media. Looking forward to that. Welcome back to The Edge. I am Aaron Korolnik. Thrilled to be joined by a man who is a regular on major championship weeks here on The Edge. It is Adam Scully from Golf Talk Canada. What's up, my friend? AK, this could be a big day. It sounds like you just mentioned 3 o'clock, the announcement. I'm hearing mm -hmm. maybe this coming Saturday. Yeah. 
I have an, another source saying Tuesday, <laughs> either or. Let, let's hope we're out there soon. I don't know about you. I have a putting mat on, in my new condo yep. on, on the balcony. And from four feet and in, I am deadly. But, you know, the rest of the game, I'm not sure what's going to happen. But let's hope we're playing golf here pronto. Yeah, I don't putt four foot, full four footers, Adam. Those are gimmies for me. So uh, yeah, six feet, Fair seven point. feet only. It's like a simulator um, when I when I tee it up. But yeah, I'm trying not to get my hopes up. I got to be honest. Yeah. I really hope it's Saturday because I already have my tee time booked. Tuesday mm. would be a little bit of a letdown, but I'm expecting Tuesday. So that means it will likely be Wednesday. While we can't play golf here in Ontario yet, they are playing golf down in South Carolina. And the man that everybody predicted was going to win the tournament is winning currently. Cameron Tringale, four under. I know you guys on, on Golf Talk Canada had him as your best bet. So um, congratulations to you, Adam. How you did it, I don't know. You know what? Cameron Tringali, coming into this tournament, he had been playing some pretty good golf. Two miscuts in his last five starts. Having said that, also at a T13 at Honda, T9 at Valero, T3 at Valspar. So coming in with some decent form, doesn't have a PGA Tour win. I have to give a shout-out here to TSN Edge writer Michael the Hound Dog Harrison, who picked him for a first-round leader, gave me a little advice on that. So I also had have Tringali right now as a first-round leader so knock on wood fingers crossed let's hope i mean the conditions are relatively calm right now looks like tringali actually just made a bogey on 12 he's had a lot of great shots three slow motion lip outs for tringali right now so far through 12 holes so he's playing some good golf uh and you know like i said the conditions are getting tougher and tougher as the day goes on looking at the 15th hole right now that flagstick almost looks like it's going to fall over i can't wait to see what happens you know for the next nine hours right here on tsn well, yeah, you're right. It's all on TSN. Make sure you watch all the coverage, and the guys from Golf Talk Canada will have you covered. And you'll be on the TSN Edge platforms, Adam, updating yep. things from a betting perspective throughout mm-hmm. the day. But, I mean, mm-hmm. you'll talk about the conditions, and when you talk about this golf course as a whole, the wind is the primary factor. It makes the golf course either playable or very unplayable. How do you, how do you think the conditions will progress throughout the day and perhaps affect the guys in the afternoon? What are the broadcasters saying uh, on that? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's supposed to get progressively uh, busier or the wind's supposed to gust a little more as the day goes on. They have set up the golf course probably the easiest it will be all week. Some of the tees have been moved up. Uh, Kerry Haig told a lot of the players via email to, you know, during the practice rounds, try to play from different tee boxes because you're going to see some, you know, different tees. For example, in the practice round, I believe it was yesterday, the par 3 17th hole, par 3, I should emphasize, Ian Poulter hit a driver on a par 3. So it was that far into the wind. Looking forward to seeing the way this golf course uh, is set up because if the conditions say like they're going to, we could see some carnage come Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> the driver on the par 3 is called the Koliakovo, Adam. That's... Uh... His Ooh. usual club off par threes. Wow. <laughs> I just had to okay. take the shot like at him. That. He's not even here to yeah. respond, so <laughs> why not? The career Grand Slam is something that Jordan Spieth is chasing this week. He's one of the favorites to win the tournament, and deservedly so. He's been unbelievable in the last four months or so. A complete career turnaround. A guy that a lot of people wrote off as having lost mm-hmm. it. And all of a sudden, he's amongst the best players in the world. What are you expecting from Spieth this week when he tees off at 158? 
You know what? It's crazy to think the the turnaround Spieth has made, you know, this time last year, even, you know, early in 2021 before he went on that stretch. It was sort of what Jordan Spieth are we going to see? And then, you know, at the Waste Management Phoenix Open, he blisters out in that third round, you know, nearly breaking 60. And he's doing this now with a swing that's totally different from 2017. In 2017, his swing was very on plane, and now it's sort of laid off. So it's a very different swing position for your for the golf nerds out here listening. But for Jordan Spieth, I mean, you know, obviously he had he had COVID, so he uh, he looked a little tired. Uh, they said on the broadcast last Saturday and Sunday, but now he's got a little more golf uh, in the tank here. I'm curious with the ball striking, his driving accuracy and greens and regulation stats aren't great. He's teeing off this afternoon, like you mentioned, when the conditions are going to be tough. If if your swing is off, you know this, AK. I know this, and and the wind's going left to right for a right-handed golfer, and you sort of miss hit a driver, that ball could virtually go anywhere so for Jordan Spieth we know the scrambling's there we know the putting's there if he can keep it on the planet off the tee he's going to be there as well come Sunday talking about the PGA Championship with Adam Scully from Golf Talk Canada and you can watch all the coverage on TSN throughout the day and throughout the weekend and we talk about writing guys off I mean Ricky Fowler has been a dreadful player for better part of a year now this is what was a guy who was one of the top players in the pga tour certainly one of the most popular players on the pga tour he's looking good this morning two under through nine are you buying perhaps a ricky breakthrough here or is this something that you expect to fade throughout the week yeah i mean it's a great start for ricky the swing does look good but as fowler himself has said it the issues are coming from his putter and so we'll see how we can keep that going. I mean, if Ricky Fowler contends in this tournament, golf is in a better place when Ricky mm-hmm. Fowler is in the mix. Obviously, you know, from, from a sponsorship side, from a marketing side, he's in basically every other commercial you see uh, on TV. Um, but Ricky Fowler, 29 starts without a top 10. Heading into the week, I was seeing odds, you know, 125 to 1 and even more in some betting books. So for Fowler, I say for round one, if he can remain under par, you mentioned he's two under through nine starting on the back nine. So if he can get in the clubhouse, you know, any, anywhere in the red, that'd be a good day for Ricky Fowler. In terms of how he'll contend the rest of the tournament, I personally don't see it happening. I did mention him on, on our bonus Golf Talk Canada uh, preview show yesterday morning on TSN 1050, sort of as a long shot flyer. <laughs> I, I do have s- some lollies on a couple flyers. I, I don't yeah. see it happening. It'd be awesome if it was. But I really don't see it happening. Here's the thing for for you guys on Golf Talk Canada. I mean, you guys, do, there's so many interviews, not only on your own show. You're on, like, Winnipeg. You're uh, everywhere across the world. <laughs> you could just drop different names throughout each interview. Like, listen, I mentioned on Edmonton on Tuesday that I really like, uh, you know, Dylan Fratelli. So, you know, it's just oh, yeah. a complete no-brainer. So uh, there's the idea. The breakout star of the Masters... Uh, back in April, was Will Zalatoris. Dude put on an absolute clinic. He is so skinny but so good at golf. And he is paired with Jordan Spieth and Webb Simpson. I guess that's the trio today going off at 158. You back in Will the Thrill? I mean, I have some action on him as a top 20, even as a top 10 pick this week. But I don't know. I mean, he's shown like some brass balls throughout his early time in the PGA Tour. I don't see why he wouldn't be able to contend once again. It's the first time I've heard the expression brass balls before. That, that, that's a good one. Yeah, well, <laughs> okay, well, sure. we, we're, we're revolutionaries here on the edge. <laughs> 
But for Zalatoris, I'm curious what kind of game he shows up with. You mentioned he's partnered with Webb Simpson, who, as many say, might be the nicest human being on the PGA Tour, and Jordan Spieth. Zalatoris and Spieth know each other from way back in the day. They play a lot of their practice rounds at home together, as Spieth mentioned in his pre-tournament press conference on Tuesday. Zalatoris did miss a cut a couple weeks ago. But, yeah, the ball striking is always going to be there for Zalatoris. Let's hope the wind doesn't literally blow him over because he's yeah, 127 pounds you know, with a 26-inch <laughs> waist at the absolute most. But, uh, you know, as, as you said, he has the stones. He has the courage to, you know, make the putts down the stretch. We saw at Augusta National making that, what, 15, 18-footer on 18 for that par save to put a little more pressure on Matsuyama to make, you know, two-putt for bogey on the 18th hole. So uh, the 72nd hole, I should say. So we'll see what Zalatoris has. Um, it's the same thing with because teeing off in the afternoon, he, he's going to be playing in the worst of the conditions. So as long as he doesn't play himself out of the golf tournament with a 76 or 77, I think he can make the cut. And then from there, I guess we'll see what happens come Saturday morning. Tringale, Matt Jones, and Eric Van Ruyen at three under par at the moment. So you are our golf betting expert for TSN Edge, of course, with Golf Talk Canada, Adam. When you're looking after the first round, let's say you're sitting down at 9 or 10 p.m. tonight and you want to make a wager maybe on the outright winner of the tournament, how far down the board do you go and do you have any strategies for our audience? Because that can be a very profitable venture. If you isolate the right guy at the right time. Think about Hideki Matsuyama at the Masters. I mean, he was way back, then that rain delay hit, and he just went on an absolute tear. So how do you kind of perceive that? It's a very good question, AK. Um, And when I I will do that tonight, hopefully after a Maple Leafs victory, we shall see at about 9.30, 9.45-ish. I'll take a look at the betting books and, you know, let's say, Let's say Jordan Spieth goes out this this afternoon and shoots three or four over par or Zalatoris or Simpson or any of those notable names, we'll call it that. I, I look at the guys who have the late early draw. So if someone goes out and struggles in round one in the afternoon, they'll go right back out in the morning when the conditions should ideally, and they're supposed to be as long as the forecast uh, stays on par, it's supposed to be calmer again tomorrow morning. So if anyone's gone out and you know hasn't played very well, maybe they're in that you know, 50 to 1 range in terms of odds, and they can go out and post a number early on Friday morning, then they can put their feet up and, you know, watch the rest of the carnage on Friday afternoon. That's the, that's sort of the range of people I'll look at heading into the weekend. Someone who's, you know, whether it's a Spieth, whether, you know, it's a past champion of this event, you know, um, that's sort of the range I think I would go to after uh, first round. Follow Adam on Twitter at Adam underscore Scully. Make sure to follow his terrific work alongside Bob Weeks and Mark Zucchino on Golf Talk Canada. And Adam, I can't wait to sit down on my couch and watch golf for the foreseeable future, but I'm hopeful on Saturday I play golf myself, my friend. I look forward to getting out with you this year as well. So enjoy the tournament, and thank you for taking the time today. Thank you, AK. Looking forward to hitting some bombs come Saturday (laughs) and then watching some bombs hit on TV come Saturday afternoon. Amen. I'm into the 260-yard cut. No bombs <laughs> on my end, but uh, I'm hopeful that perhaps the draw off the tee is in play by season's end. Ooh. That's what I'm working Uh-oh. on. Yeah, that's, it's going to go very well. Thank you, Adam. Thank you. All right, that is Adam Scully from Golf Talk Canada. Man, I really hope golf opens on Saturday. Tuesday, I'll take Tuesday as well, but Saturday, 
that would be a beautiful, beautiful thing. On Saturday, the NBA playoffs begin. There is still one play-in game tonight between Indiana and Washington, but let's be real here. Neither of those teams have any chance of doing anything, but there will be some wild action on Saturday. We have our man Harley Redlick, Sharp Edge Picks, to break that all down, and I know he has some hot bets tonight on the Leafs and the Habs, a game you can hear on TSN 1050. That's next on The Edge. It is game day here on TSN 1050, and no, not the game day hosted by Matthew Cause. That's coming up at 2 p.m. It is game day throughout the day here because the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Montreal Canadiens open up a best-of-seven series tonight, the first time those two teams have played in the playoffs since 1979. Oh, baby, that was long before I was born. I know that may shock you because I am an old man in many respects. I love golf and I love the stock market, but I love betting on sports. And no one I enjoy more talking to about it than our man Harley Redlick from Sharp Edge Picks on Twitter, the man banned by international sports books worldwide. He joins us again on The Edge this morning. What's up, man? I'm good. I'm good, Aaron. I usually caution uh, my followers that there are no locks, but the closest thing you can get to a lock is you ain't golfing legally Saturday of the long weekend. Wow. Stay at home. Stay safe. Maybe, maybe after the long weekend, we'll let you wave at someone else from six feet apart in the middle of a park if you're lucky. I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm hearing some uh, differing views on that subject from some plugged-in people in the industry. Saturday yeah, is a very realistic possibility, but we'll have to wait and see what our man, Doug Ford, has to say at 3 o'clock. Let's talk about the Leafs and the Habs, Harley. And I mean, the Leafs are massive favorites to win the series. Minus 360 to win the best of seven series. They are minus 210 tonight. I know you are a contrarian better. You like to take the side that no one takes, and that's a very profitable venture many times uh, rather than not. And, and is that applicable when it comes to the Leafs and the Habs, or are you taking the chalk and the Toronto Maple Leafs? I got that rated as a pass. I can't bet, not because I love the Leafs, which I do. It's more that the Leafs are just a much, much better team. And they deserve to be a big, big favorite. Uh, am I confident that they're going to win this series 78% of the time versus 73% of the time? I think it's too tough to call. Uh, could, could the Habs win two or three games in OT or a bad break or a bad injury and pull it off in six or seven? Unfortunately, it's possible. I mean, we've seen stranger and crazier upsets in the NHL, but there's no question about the fact that the Leafs are vastly superior. I mean, you think back to when we were kids and you're picking players and you're picking teams. I mean, wouldn't the first four or five picks be Matthews and Marner and Tavares and like, holy cow, I mean, how long would we go before we started picking Canadians on our team? (laughs) That's true. It would be a very long time. And by the way, Harley, I just got a message from a very reputable source in the industry that golf will indeed open on Saturday. Take that with a grain of salt. Not a sure thing. But this man would know the inner workings of the provincial government and 
the likelihood of that happening on Saturday. Wow, I am so excited. Golf, I, very welcome there, back. There, there's a reason I stick to sports betting, Aaron. It's a lot more predictable than politics. That is very true, my friend. Harley Redlick, follow him on Twitter at Sharp Edge Picks. He is man, a man who has won millions on ProLine and banned by international sports books worldwide. Let's move to the NBA. Last night, I mean, the Lakers and the Warriors. What an incredible game. And I was on the Lakers, minus five, did not work out well for me. I was also on the under of Steph Curry, 36 and a half points, and he scored 37. So not so good. But when you look at the Lakers' first-round matchup against the Phoenix Suns, a team that has been significantly better than them throughout the season, uh, Chris Paul, an MVP candidate, going up against his old buddy LeBron James. The Lakers, minus 300 in that series. What type of odds do you give the Suns of staging the upset, Harley? Uh, well, for starters, Aaron, it's too bad you didn't follow me on Twitter last night because when the action pushed the Lakers from 5 to 6, I tweeted out at Sharp Edge Picks to take the Warriors plus 6 as a value bet. I thought the opening line of 5 was a little inflated. It's not that easy just to turn it on in the playoffs, and plus 6 I thought was great value. You fade the public, you get to fade Aaron. That's the Sharp Edge Picks philosophy. <laughs> in terms of uh, the series, the Lakers and the Suns, I mean, I hate, I hate betting certain series and certain teams in the NBA. I know the Lakers are always inflated. But LeBron whines and cries. The performance he put on last night was, again, indicative. And the refs give him calls, and everybody wants to see LeBron advance. I mean, Kawhi and the Clippers literally lost their last three games of the series season on purpose so they could fall to the four seed and the Lakers would be part of this 2-7-3-6 matchup and the two L.A. teams could do their best to face each other in a couple rounds. Uh, is Phoenix a better team all year? Of course. Did they look good? Of course. But now that AD's healthy and LeBron's healthy and LeBron's whining and crying and expects every call because, you know, the refs are dying to give him every call – I mean, it's a pass. I just, see, I, I can't bet series is like that where I feel the refs are actively part of the series. I, I do like a couple series value bets and teams to win the championship, but I'm not touching that Lakers Sun series. Well, let's talk about those like longer term futures. And the West is fascinating, man. I mean, the Lakers have been the favorites throughout the series and rightfully, sorry, throughout the season, I should say, and rightfully so. I mean, they're the defending champions. They have LeBron James. They have Anthony Davis. LeBron played 34 minutes last night in a crucial game. And I understand he had a triple double, which hit at plus 750 for him to have that triple double, which was pretty crazy to think our technical producer, Christy Avero, hit that. So congratulations to him. But if LeBron and AD aren't working at full capacity, and I mean, are they really going to be able to hold up throughout this entirety of the NBA playoffs? So you're talking about the Clippers. You're talking about the Suns. You're talking about the Utah Jazz. Where do you see value in betting the West right now, Harley? I, I, I'm not betting the West. I, it's a crapshoot. It's like you said, I think that I trust Kawhi. I don't trust the rest of that Sixers team. The Lakers are awesome when AD and LeBron are healthy, but you don't know when they're going to break down. Utah probably is the class of the West. Um, they've got a collision course in a couple weeks with Kawhi, which is tough. When I don't know where it's going, you could just pass. You don't got to bet every game, and you don't got to bet every series. Where I see value is in the East, and the way I see value in the East is pretty simple. The Nets are the favorite. 
And that trio of Kyrie, Durant, and Harden is a ticking time bomb. Like, are those guys really going to be able to get along? Do they realize there's only one basketball that the three of them have to share? And they got to play defense, and they got to get through both the Sixers and the Bucks, two teams that define team, like real team, not that I'm the superstar. Like, when they drop a play at the end of the game, who's getting the ball for the Nets? And what are the other two guys going to do? I mean... Remember in the last dance when Scottie Pippen refused to play on the court because the last play was going to Kukoc and he just cried in the corner? Like, that's going to be two of the three nets at the end of the game, no? It could be. I I mean, I guess my counter to that is that neither Milwaukee or Philly are world beaters. I mean, it's not like Giannis has this decorated playoff record. In fact, it's the exact opposite and, yeah, Joel Embiid's one of the best players in the NBA. And, but Ben Simmons, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just think when you look at the Nets, having those three guys, and, and I think more, more of a concern of them being able to play together is them being healthy because they play nine games together all season long. Continuity is an issue. But if Harden, Kyrie, and Durant are healthy and playing, I think they are a lock to win the NBA title. That's how good I believe they are offensively. So the question is, is the, is the matter of health. Durant missed a ton of time. Harden's just coming back from a hamstring. Kyrie could pull the shoot at any minute if something goes wrong in his life. He's like, yep, all right, I'm out. That's enough for me. I'll see you guys in two weeks. So that that would be my concern with Brooklyn. But if I had to take Brooklyn versus the field in the East, I would take Brooklyn. No problem. I say we bet, Aaron. The Sixers Sixers and the Bucks combined to win the East are 3-1 and 4-1 which implies less than 50% chance. I think we both agree that it's a three-horse race in the East. Yep. I mean, Well, maybe Miami. Off. Maybe Miami. Maybe Miami can pull it off again. Who knows? But uh, I, I'll take my chances. Never forget the year we won the championship. The Bucks had us up. We were down to them 2-0. We won a double OT game where Kyle Lowry fouled out. Or the Greek freak is up 3-0 and cruising on his way to an NBA Finals appearance, and we're bowed out again, right? So it's a fine line of winning and losing, and I'll take my chances with either the Bucs or the Sixers. All right, my man. I will take the Nets, and you can have the Sixers and the Bucks, and it will be a pint on a patio when that is allowed in Ontario, hopefully sometime in June. That is what I'm uh, hoping for. Let's look at some of the other series uh, in the NBA. I mean, why don't, why don't I let you just take the floor and, and give us your best bets? Because I know you have them laid out. I mean, Boston and Brooklyn, I can't imagine you're taking Boston. But, I mean, the Hawks and the Knicks, Dallas, the Clippers, Miami, Milwaukee, Portland, Denver. Where are you leaning and where's the best value? So there's two series value bets I like. I like both the Knicks and the Nuggets. You're getting about plus 110. You split your series bets. You are the bookie. You're making money. The Nuggets, even without Murray, have Jokic, who is the toughest player to defend, so versatile. He's better than Lillard. You get the best player plus money. That's a good start. You also have home court. Home court is starting to mean something again. Not as much as usual, but it's helpful. I'm sure you saw Carolina last night in hockey. COVID means masks outdoors in Canada, but the U.S. is open for business. And in those two close series, Getting home court in both game one and game seven to me is good value. I take the Knicks and the Nuggets, getting plus a few cents. Those are my two NBA series value bets. All right. I love how you have the 
the idea of becoming the bookie, and you're not talking about massive value. You're talking about like small incremental value that over time compounds and becomes significant value, and that is why we call on you often on this show. He is Harley Redlick. Make sure to follow him on Twitter, at SharpEdgePicks, and uh, he is the man with the plan and the best picks in the business. So thank you for doing this, Harley. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Aaron. Have a good one. Go Leafs. Enjoy the game tonight. Thank you very much. And start stretching because golf is back imminently. Uh, we'll tell you the latest reporting from Richard Southern, uh, amongst others, with regards to the reopening of outdoor recreation in our province. And the news is very, very positive. That's next on The Edge. Watermelon sugar high. Watermelon sugar high. Wrapping things up on The Edge for this Thursday morning. And, man, I feel like there has just been a turning point in society this morning. I don't know if it's the beautiful weather, the PGA Championship on the television, or the expected reopening announcement at 3 o'clock from our premiere, but things are looking up. Things are looking up. We have the Leafs and the Habs on TSN 1050 tonight with the pregame starting at 7 o'clock. Puck drop just after 7.30. The Leafs, massive, minus 360 favorites to win the series, minus 210 tonight. You can bet Austin Matthews at even money to score a goal and... And no will surprise no one that I am doing just that because Austin Matthews scores goals definitely more than 50% of the time. And there is value anytime you can get Austin Matthews around even money to score a goal. And you're looking at the top of the PGA Championship leaderboard down at Kiowa Island Resort down in South Carolina. All the coverage on TSN. Cameron Tringale, Matt Jones, Keegan Bradley, and Eric Van Ruyen. Three under par, the leaders so far. So... I highly doubt that anyone out there bet on any of those four individuals to do anything this week. Full transparency, I took Keegan Bradley out of a DraftKings lineup this morning, and that was a very bad decision. Hopefully Matt Wallace is able to overcome that poor choice when he tees off a little bit later today. Can't wait for next week's edition of The Edge. We'll be talking a lot about the Leafs, assuming that series is still ongoing. Of course, my official prediction is the Leafs to sweep the Montreal Canadiens a little bit of a hot take, but I mean, Leafs in four, Leafs in five, Leafs in six. One of those results, pretty likely, I would say, considering the opposition for the Toronto Maple Leafs and a lack of Cole Caulfield on the other side for the Montreal Canadiens, arguably their best offensive player. Well, that does it all for us. Best of luck to everyone out there this weekend. Hopefully, you're able to get outside and enjoy the outdoor amenities in our province. And when you're inside, you're watching the PGA Championship on TSN. Thanks to Christy Averro. Thanks to all of our guests this morning. I'm Aaron Korolnik. Thanks for being with us.